Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I haven't felt like this in a very long time. I feel wrecked. And I had something completely different to preach on this morning. And just in worship, I felt like there was something that was taking place. And God showed me a vision again that I saw on Thursday night while Maddie Russell was was praying. And I didn't understand what it was. I was standing in an open field and I was looking up to the heavens and I saw a, a cloud that looked like a, a brain. And in the, in the cloud, in the brain, I saw Jesus hanging on the cross. And I, I was looking at it and as I was asking God, I was looking and, and peering into it, I looked down and as I looked down, Jesus was standing before me and he reached into my body and he pulled my heart out. And he took my heart and he put it in his mouth and his body was translucent and I watched it fall down into his heart. And I, I spoke with Dave afterwards. I said, I don't really know what it means. But all week I've been hearing this, this word, if not me, then who? If not now, then when? And during worship, I just felt like there's this time for us as a people to stop seeing it in our brain, to stop seeing it as a far off thing, but actually to realize Christ in front of us in the heart, but then for it to become one with him, for it to, to realize, to become manifest, to be made real in our lives, that what we're doing here this morning, what we're doing here in our lives, that every moment that we wake up and we position ourselves for Christ is not this far off thing that one day we're going to get something, that it's right before us that our hearts linked and intertwined and joined with his heart. And during the week, I can't remember if it was this week or last week, Louis and I were, were going through Revelation and this verse jumped out at me. And then this morning as I read it again, it just wrecked me. It says in Revelation 8, when the land opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Just picture that for a moment. Karina read this morning what, what's taking place in heaven, the, the eruption of praise and worship, the glory, the sound, the amazing things that are taking place. And then you get to verse 8 and he opens up a seal and there's silence. For half an hour, silence. Reverence, a holiness. Right there in that moment of glory, right there in that moment where you're waiting for God to reveal what's taking place, there's absolute bone-shattering silence. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and he filled it with fire from the altar 
and he threw it on the earth. And there were pearls of thunder, rumblings, flashings of lightning, and an earthquake. The response of our prayer and the incense that fills the throne room of God is fire and power. The response of positioning our heart in His glory is fire and power on the earth. Does that make sense? When we come together, when we gather, which I'm going to speak about in a minute, when we gather and we come as a ruling class people and we send praise and honor and worship and glory into the throne room of heaven after a moment of silence, there is a releasing of fire and power here on earth. Our job is to do exactly what we did this morning, to release the sound of heaven back to the throne room, to do what we were created to do, to glorify the God Almighty, to give praise and honor and worship, to put Him in the center. Why? Because when we do that, the position of our incense, the smoke that fills the throne room, returns to earth as fire and rumblings and shaking and earthquakes and lightning, all the things in the world that are powerful and strong come to this place when we position our heart to worship and glorify the King. If not me, then who? If not now, then when? And it reminds me of when the disciples leave after Jesus has has preached about eat my flesh and drink my blood, and they say, he says to them, will you not go to? And he says, to where should we go? You were the only one with the words of life. God, you, when, now. As Christians, as disciples, we need to be in a position where we understand the power of glory and worship to the King. Because it's that place that he releases the authority for fire and power to come and touch heaven. The reason as a people we aren't operating in the power that God has for us is because we've failed to understand the worship that we bring Him and the praise that we bring Him that enters the throne room. That that half an hour of silence is the contemplation and the glory of God. In the world today, we want the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, but God says, wait on me. Wait. Wait. Wait, with your praise and honor to me, I will release fire and power to you. We've been the last few weeks going through Matthew and what Jesus says is going to take place in the end in the end times. And in a way, a lot of us have been looking and feeling like something is taking place. There's prophet after prophet saying that this thing's happening, there's rumblings taking place. And I really do believe that. I really do believe that God is moving in the people and that there is going to be an outpouring. There is going to be a shift. There is going to be a change of hand. But it's not going to be done. It's not going to be done in one particular place or one particular church. It's done in the hearts of the people of God. It's done individually as we submit ourselves to the Father, as we submit ourselves to the King individually as we bring ourselves before him and say, Lord, yes, 
I choose you. I believe what's been written and I know who you are. That's an individual choice that we make. I wanted to go through, I'm going to pick and choose now because I, I really want to hit on something that I think is, is going to be important to us. But coming into some of this stuff that I see moving, some of the things I see shaking, and I started to ask God, how do we fight back? How do we fight back in, in the time that we're in? How do we push back against the powers of darkness? How do we take a stand? Jess and I were talking during the week. We're having dinner and we're just talking about some of the things that were taking place in the news and, and all those sorts of things. And Jess said, so what do we do? How do we stand? And I've been thinking about that. You know, what, what's the point? Do we, do we go to marches? Do we sit quietly? Do we just obey? Do we, what, what do we do? What stand do we take and what should it look like? And I feel like in this time more than ever, this verse reveals what we're supposed to do. We come to the Father with praise and thanksgiving. We come to the Father with praise and thanksgiving. Why? Because that's what releases power here on earth. That's what releases the decision made from the king to change and to push back the powers of darkness. We fight and we stand by doing what Gideon did, by going into the wine press and by treading grain, by understanding who the Father is, by asking him, Lord, who are you? Is this just a book or are you living and revealed in this? In our prayer times, Lord, who are you? What does it look like to worship you in spirit and truth? What does that mean? How do I position myself, Lord, where you are the one in which I serve and honor? What does it mean in a contemporary Western world to serve and honor? What does it really mean to submit myself to you, O oh Lord? Does it mean go to church every Sunday? Does it mean pray at four o'clock in the morning? Does it mean tell all my friends at work about you? What does it mean to submit myself to you? I believe that when Gideon went into the wine press, when the world around him was caught in paganism and worship of false, false gods, he decided there's only one way I can fight back and it's to go into the quiet place to close the door and to give him all that I am. When God came to Gideon and he said, Gideon, you're the man of valor, the first thing Gideon said was, no, I'm not. Lord, I'm not the one you seek. You want my older brother. He's strong. And God said, no, Gideon. You have been in the place I needed you. I wanted to go through some of our, some of our vision, some of what, what Jess and I first felt in the very beginning of what God called this community to be. So Kat, if you can just put the, the slide up for me, please. And I wanted to just break this down because in this time that we're coming into, we are asking you guys to join us to come alongside what it is we feel God calling us to do, to stand in a place of darkness as a place of light. And in the very early days when we were, when we were praying, and Mal and Edie, Sean and Coco, Brad, were, we were sitting around as, as we began to merge, and Jess heard this name in the Spirit. She actually heard the name community. She said, we, we're a community of believers, those who come together around the cross. And as we began to deliberate and discuss the conversation, the word our was brought in there because we wanted people to take ownership 
of this house, to take ownership of what it is we're building here. This is not Jess and I's, to use language that I'm going to destroy in a minute, church. This is not our church. This is God's, we are God's people. He has commissioned us to lead and to stand before, but we are asking you to come and join alongside of us, like the the Viking shield wall that I've talked about, to link arms with us and to push into battle with us. But the word our that's there is because we want you to own this. We want you to be passionate for this house, to be passionate to build and charge and equip in the kingdom to see it established. We are not here to build our ministry or our church or our name. That's not what we're here to do. We pray, as, as, as Jesus explains to us, your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done, not our kingdom. We are here to establish the kingdom of God. And this is one aspect of how we do that. It's not the only aspect. It's one of. But the word our is to represent all of us. This is our home. We are, are, are building this. We are putting blocks in the Lord's house. As Habakkuk explains, we are, are placing blocks into the wall. We are building the house of the Lord. I think it's Haggai, not Habakkuk. Let me, let me change that. I think it's Haggai. We are building the Lord's house in that. But the word community, I want to I explain to you what the word community means from the Oxford Dictionary. It means a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. A group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. We all have the same characteristic in common. The very reason that we come together from all different walks of life is because we come around Jesus, the Lord and Savior, the risen King, That's what binds us together. That's what allows us to be friends and family, even though there's some of us who would never, ever be in in those walks of life. Without Jesus, I may never know Debbie. We may never have anything in common. We may walk entirely different worlds. But because of what Jesus did on that cross, the death, the resurrection and the ascension of Christ, we become brothers and sisters in the Lord. We have a particular thing in common, a particular characteristic in common. The reason we gather in this room, the reason we gather outside, the reason I I bring myself to want to be around your dining table, to be in your houses, whether we have things in common or not, is because of Jesus. I once heard someone say to me when they were leaving that, The people in the church, this church particularly, but most churches just weren't their type of people. They just weren't my kind of people. And I I looked at him and I said, mate, do you know that at that point I was younger than I am now. I think I was only 26 when when he said it to me. I said, do you know that most of the people in the church are much older than me, have much different things than me. But there's one thing that we have that's vitally important that stands in common is that Jesus died on the cross for both of us. He rose and he ascended as the king. And that's what I find in common. That's what encourages me to be friends with Debbie, to want to walk with Debbie, to hear her insights about Jesus because they're different to mine. She sees a side of Jesus I've never seen before. So I'm eager 
to know her. I'm eager to hear her heart. I'm eager to hear the way she speaks about the Lord because I go, man, I don't see it that way. It encourages me to look deeper into him. The commonality of Jesus is what brings us together and binds us together as a people. Community, community to us means a group of people having Jesus in common. And what that means is that us who have Jesus in common have the same thing in common as Liberty up the road or House or Oasis that meets after us or Glow or Hillsong. What makes all of us have the same thing in common is that we become people of Jesus Christ. We become saints, brothers and sisters in Him. But what I really want to touch on this morning out of this is I want you to notice that the word church is not in there. And we've never related to this place as our community church from our standpoint. It is on the sign when you drive in because the council will refuse to have us not have church on there. Council. They didn't understand what I was trying to do. But the reason there's no church written on there is because we are the church, yes, but so too is liberty. So too is house. So too is glow. So too is hillsong. The reason that we have these different pictures on the wall is because we collectively on the Gold Coast are the church as a people. So you can't come to church because we are the church. You can't go to church because you are the church. Now we say that, but then we use language like welcome to church. And to me, I go, I, language matters. What we are putting in people's mind is, I wasn't a good boy today because I didn't go to church. But Jesus didn't relate that to the disciples because he says, you are the church. Peter, Petros, little rock, on you I will build Petra. On the rock, Jesus Christ, I will build my church. We become a people. I've got an Instagram quote here for you if you want to put it up. We are, ch- we are not church goers. We are church beers. <laughs> Boom. Take a photo. I'll upload that on my page. But this is so important, guys. I, I, I want this to hit home because I don't want you to go to a friend who goes to a different church and feel some level of animosity because they're from a different church. They are still brother. They are still sister. Why? Because they they believe in the death, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That makes us community with them. That's what becomes in common. The word church that we took, the English word church, we took it from a word in the Greek language which is only used once in the New Testament. And it's the word kuriakos. And it's only ever used once. And it means it means to belong to the Lord. So we took this word kuriakos from the, from the New Testament that was used once. And we said, okay, every time we see the word church, it means to belong to the word, belong to the Lord which is understandable. I know some of you are thinking it wasn't that. It was Ecclesia, which we'll get to in a minute. But the word kuriakos means to belong to the, the Lord. And that was the original taking of the word church. And that is true. I belong to the Lord. 
Shan belongs to the Lord, but as to the other churches in the city. You see, in Revelation, they don't write to a they don't write to our community church. They write to the church in Ephesus. They write to the church in Laodicea. They write to the church in the city because it was the believers in that place. We represent the church on the Gold Coast, the church in Australia. That's why I'm so big to say, Lord, let your kingdom come in this house, in this city, and in this nation. Because we represent the believers, the ones who belong to the Lord in this house, in this city, and in this nation. Just as in Acts where it says, go to Samaria, Judea, and to the outer ends of the earth. Right? A local context, a national context, an international context. We operate as believers. When we come into this building, we are the church gathered. When we go into our spheres of influence, we are the church scattered. We remain the church. Does that make sense? We remain belonging to the Lord wherever our heart goes. We're not church goers, we're church beers. I thought that was fantastic. I gave myself a pat on the back while I was writing that. I wrote that. I wrote that. Shabs. Hey? Whoa. Jess is like, yeah, she's written down a note. She's taken a note there. Hey? Yeah, I had to, beers was a hard word to write. I had to, you know, manipulate the English language to get there. The word ecclesia, the word ecclesia, which we've seen many times for most of you that have been around churches for a long time have heard the word ecclesia and, what's it, and what it means. And I want to harp on this just a minute. I really want to break down because I think there's something missing as a people that is going to change the way we gather as believers. The word ecclesia is a Greek word and it means a popular meeting or a calling out. So simply put, it's the called out ones who gather together. The called out ones who gather together. So what we did then was we, we put this importance around the word ecclesia because we in Christ are the ones who have been called out and then we really put an emphasis on gathering together. But I think in that we missed the vital thing in what Jesus was actually saying by the word ecclesia. You see, an ecclesia was a Greek terminology taken from the way in which they led in their Greek life. I want to take this complex word and try and make it really simple. But an ecclesia was simply this. Historically, it was a governing council that was called out to establish policy, legislate, confer or deny citizenship and elect officials. So what they would do in Greece is that they would call an ecclesia to come and rule on a particular something that needed to be done. Think, think Gold Coast City Council needing to put a new road in. They call their councillors in to make a decision on if the new road should go there and where it should go. Does that make sense? In Greek terms, that would be an ecclesia. They called the called out ones to make a decision to legislate or to make a rule on one area of the city. So what they would do in those times, if there was a decision that needed to be made, a new building that needed to be erected or a new thing that needed to be built or they wanted to remove somebody from the city for something they have done, they would call an ecclesia, the men and women chosen to come and stand in the fancy place that they would have it and make a ruling on that subject. That was an ecclesia, a ruling class people. 
In the Greek, it was a way of life to call the people together to rule on particular subjects. And the interesting thing is that it could never be done without two or more officials coming to make a ruling. Two or more officials coming to make a ruling. And I find this so interesting because Jesus in Matthew 18, verse 19, he says this, Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. What's he doing? He's establishing an ecclesia that when Sean and I come together as ruling class citizens in his kingdom, in his name, for his purposes, he will rule based on our asking and what we ask him to do. He allows us to legislate in his name. Why is this important? Because going back to Caesarea Philippi, where Jesus takes the disciples in Matthew 16, 18 and 19, he says this to Peter, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my ecclesia, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Why is that important to us? Because the word Peter there means Petros, little rock, disciples, small rock. On this rock, Petra, large rock, Jesus. So so Peter, I'm going to use you on the foundation of me, Jesus, to build my ruling class people that the gates of hell will not prevail against. Does that make sense? Is anyone lost? This is so incredibly important because what Jesus was doing here at Caesarea Philippi is that he was saying, I am going to build on me the foundation of the world, the cornerstone, the capstone. I'm going to build on me a ruling class people that can rule and reign and push back the gates of hell. This is incredibly important because when we gather together, especially on a Sunday morning, why? Because there's the most of us that come in together. Yes, it takes place out in in the everyday life, and it should. And if we could do this every week, uh, sorry, every day, there would be power and glory in this. Why? Because as ruling class people, we come to legislate and to make ruling against the powers of darkness. What we did here this morning was not come and sing karaoke. We didn't come to get filled up because we're tired and we're beat. We came with our fancy robes and our gavels in worship to legislate against the powers of darkness. As an ecclesia, as a ruling caste people, as, as it says in Revelations, as kings and priests, we gathered together to establish the authority of Jesus as the, as the ones who were called out to make that change. Does that make sense? So the reason worship is so important to me, the reason I think it's, it's something that, that the enemy has really tried to pull apart to make it about us, is he's dismantled the power in which we carry in that place of worship. I think I've told this story before, but one of the reasons that we, we really started discussing what songs we were singing in worship was I was standing at a church in Adelaide, a, a, a group um, of different churches in Adelaide, and we were worshipping and we were singing that song, I Am a Child of God. Now, I have nothing wrong with that song. I actually really loved that song. And I was standing there with my hands open 
singing, I am a child of God. And I heard so clearly in my spirit, God say to me, who are you singing about? Who are you singing about? And right there, it wrecked me because I realized I'm singing about me. I'm singing about the guy next to me. I'm not singing about the king. I'm not worshiping and honoring him. And right then in my spirit, God started to unravel what we were doing, that we actually weren't legislating. We actually weren't taking the power in which God has given us in worship. We were self-centered and self-focused and we were missing all of what he had called us to do. That, that, that time at Caesarea Philippi, the gates of hell, at the, which I've preached about before, the, the epitome of the pagan worship, he says, I will give you legislative power to, to push back this. And Miles right. the next verse he says is the keys of the kingdom to bind and to loose. Both of those terms are, are, are legislative legal terms. To bind and loose. To bind means to forbid. To loose means to permit. He's saying to you, in this place, I will give you the ecclesia, the kings and priests, the called out ones who gather. I will give you the power to forbid and to permit the, 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 and, um, the demonic realm and the powers of darkness. I will give you the power. So what happens when we come into worship and we make it all about me, God? Help me. Help me, Lord. I'm burdened. God's going, I gave you the help you needed at Caesarea Philippi. I gave you the establishment of my kingdom in your priesthood and your kingship. I've already given it to you. So what I do when I'm in pain, when I'm in suffering, when I'm hurting, is I come to my brother and I call an ecclesia and I say, bro, would you come with me? Would you legislate with me? I bring Tim and Josh and Mal. We come together. I say, boys, let's, I need you to stand with me in this. I need you to legislate with me. We're going to bind what needs to be bound and we're going to loose what needs to be loose. Why? Because Jesus gave us that authority when he died on the cross, when he rose again and when he established himself as king and he gave the keys in our hand. The keys of what? The kingdom. What was the first thing Jesus said when his ministry started? Repent, behold, for the kingdom of God is in your hands. But we've failed to understand the legislative power in which we've been given. Without getting controversial. Uh-oh. Here comes y'all. Reggie Dabs. Here comes y'all. Without getting controversial. The reason at the moment in the governmental system we sit in that the chief health officer can make the rulings that she's making in this state is because she was given legislative power. Does that make sense? Someone gave her an authority, the premier, gave her the ability to rule and reign, to legislate and to change the rules. That's why all of a sudden a snap lockdown can be brought with a penalty or a fine because she has legislative power to make that decision given by an authority. We 
as ruling class people in the kingdom of God, submitting to his authority, have been given the power to legislate in the same way. So Ben, that means that I can do whatever I want so long as Sean agrees. Yes, but there is a caveat. It has to be in the name of Jesus. When we gather together in whose name? Jesus. For what purpose? His ruling and reigning. His kingdom being established. His will being done. Then the power comes as the legislative kings and priests to change and push back the powers of darkness. I remember hearing this story of, I think I've shared this, but of an Indian guy who, very, very strong spiritual man of faith, and he bought a home in India. And a lot of homes owned by Indians, if they're Hindus, will have a particular area of the house that is shrined to whichever God their family has grown up worshipping. Jess and I went into one. It was quite unusual but hilarious at the same time because they were doing like a a viewing of the house and it smelt like cookies. It was amazing. But then we went to this particular room and it just smelt like just heavy incense. But this Indian guy was saying, when I go into a home, when I buy a home, they say, what do you do to get the, get the demons out? He said, what do you mean, what do I do? He said, well, they've obviously worshipped other gods. Do you, do you bring in heaps of people and declare that the, the demons should go? And he says, no, I'm a king and a priest. I have ruling legislative power in that home to command they leave and they must leave. And he said it with such precision and such authority to be like, I don't have to shabahava the halls down. We don't have to have a 16-hour worship day. I go into the house with the authority that was given to me at the cross of Jesus Christ, and I say, you must leave. Why? Because I have the authority. I have the legislative power to do that because Jesus died for me to have that. He took the keys back and he gave them to me. So, in all of this, the importance for me is really this. When we gather together, when we gather together, the reason we are so big on worshipping the King and singing songs about the glory and the, the majesty and the, the, the power and worthiness of the King is because we are operating as a ruling class people based on the power that he has given us as an ecclesia, the called out ones who can legislate against the powers of darkness. That's why it's so important for us to understand this. If you go to coffee with your friend and they say, man, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I don't, I don't know what to do. I'm being smashed on all sides of my life. And they believe in, the, in the, the deity and the fullness of Jesus Christ, then you can say to them, hey, my brother, we're in Ecclesia right here. We are called out ones. Two of us were gathered in the name of Jesus. Let's pray and let's legislate against the powers of darkness. Let's rule and let's bind the thing that's taking place and finish that what's being done. Does that make sense? This changes the way that we operate as the church it changes the way that we come together because now I want to be there with you guys to worship. I want to be there on Thursday night. I want to be there when someone says, would you come, we're going to pray. I want to be a part of that. Why? Because we get to legislate as the people of God and push back the gates of hell, which is one of the things in our assignment. 
See? Yeah, it's what Damon did on Thursday. He saw a problem that God revealed to him in the Spirit. He saw an issue. He gathered two other brothers. And in the authority given to them by Christ, they legislated against it. No, we bind this mess. God, we bind this mess legally because you've given us the paperwork which was filled out on the cross. And we actually submit that as a legal firm. We submit that to the courts. Who's the judge? The Father. Lord, we submit this to you. What's that? That's a contract that says that myself, Sean and Tim have been given authority to actually rule against what's taking place here. God goes, yep, sealed with the blood of Christ here on the seal. Right. You do have the authority. We push it back. Filed, sorted, finished. When we understand this, when we understand that we are in a court system and that the enemy have to play by the rules outwritten by the king of glory, all of a sudden things start to become much more powerful. All of a sudden, we start to bend the knee of the darkness, powers of darkness, because they cannot push back against the legislative powers that have been given to us and sealed by the blood of Christ. That seal is the stamp. I don't know if you've ever seen an old document with a, what's it called? Wax seal. Right, that's the blood of Jesus. So that when the, when the, the judge has seen the paperwork, That's been paid for. This works the same way with our sin. When the enemy tries to hold sin against you, we got to go through this a few weeks ago in our discipleship thing on Thursday morning because one of the guys was struggling, feeling guilt over a piece of sin. I said, I want you to think of this. Think of a courtroom which you've been in some. Think of a courtroom filled with people. You're on one side as a defendant. The enemy, Satan, is on the other side as, as the accuser. And he stands before the court and he says, Ben has, has robbed a bank. And I've, I've operated in forgiveness. I've asked God for forgiveness. I've given it to Christ. He's died on the cross. It's been paid for. And the judge says, Ben, how do you plea? And Jesus stands up and he says, I've already paid this for Ben. He was guilty and now I've made him clean. I paid for this. Finished. Judge goes, yep, it's already been paid for. Next case. Every single time we come together, we are standing as brothers and sisters in the common unity of Christ to legislate and to rule against the powers of darkness. What we did this morning, we don't know what took place in the heavenlies, but something powerful shifted. Something took place. We get to do that every time. When Louis and I meet on Wednesday morning, we gather as the ecclesia, the called out ones who can legislate against the powers of darkness. Does that make sense? Kat, can you just quickly show the last slide? I'm not going to preach on this. I just want to, because we've already did so much of it. Because what that does for us makes this so much easier. As a community of kings and priests who come to legislate against the powers of darkness, we do that by operating in this. 
as image bearers of Jesus, created in his likeness, molded by his earth, by the holy ground from the Garden of Eden, made in his image to carry his likeness, that when we, like that that Indian man, when we step into a place of darkness, everyone knows who we are or should know who we are. Like the verse, which I'm not sure where it is, but the seven sons of Sceva. When the, when the demons saw Paul, they knew who he was. Why? Because they knew who Jesus was. They knew that they had lost to the powers of Jesus. And guess who Paul looked like? Jesus. See, when we operate and we carry the image of Jesus, the enemy knows who we are. The enemy knows who we are. Because they knew who Jesus was and they knew the power. Think about this. They say to Jesus, ho, ho, your time's not come. You can't touch us yet. Your time's not come. How did they know that? Because they knew the spiritual realm in which Jesus was operating. They knew that he was there to bring them to an end. They just didn't know how and they didn't know when. Because only the Father knew. So when we go into a situation and we look like Jesus, the powers of darkness flee. It's only when we don't look like Jesus and we look a little bit like them that they say, here's a buddy. Here's a maid I can cuddle up to. We push back the powers of darkness by looking and operating like light. That's what God has given us. That's what God has called us to be as the church. This is challenging for us because I'm actually asking something of you. I'm not asking you just to get here on a Sunday. I'm not asking you just to come and fill the plastic chairs. I'm asking you to come and bring your gavel because when we enter into worship, we go to war. When we meet, when Dave and I meet for coffee, We're not just having a good time and drinking a nice brew. When we meet in the name of Jesus, we bring our coats and our gavels and we go to war. I know that sounds a little bit funny, but I'm hoping that when you leave this place, you have a laugh about the coat and the gavel. And the next time you meet with a Christian, you go, oh, I remember that funny picture. Do you have your gavel with you? Why? Because Jesus has asked us to rule and reign as kings and priests, as the ecclesia, the called out ones who can legislate, who can bind and loose with the kings, with the keys of heaven. Does that make sense? Let's stand and let's pray to the Lord. Yes, why don't you come share that, share that um, thing for me. I'll call it tough real quick. <laughs> when Karina was up there and she said, um, you know, everything is under God's feet, everything. God just, I felt God wanted me to share this and I don't share this quite often in public because it's not the most easiest thing to share. On October the 12th in 2002, Dan and I were going to Bali. Um, and a couple of days before, Daniel said to his mum, Mum, I really feel like something's going to happen. There's going to be a bomb. His mum said, it's okay, you go. 
and knowing his mother, Shilda started praying instantly. We turned up into Bali at three o'clock in the morning and we'd been a few times and my thing was, you know, Dan, we're going to shop. We're going to shop until whenever I want because that's what we do the first time we get there. So we get there, we sleep, we get up and we shop. Um, poor Dan didn't have a choice. <laughs> um, we went into the main street of Bali where we always go and we sat at this pizza restaurant um, which was one door away from the Sari Club across the road from Paddy's. And we watched everyone go into the, the Sari Club or the Sturt Club from Perth and, you know, just all the boys going over there to party. And um, Daniel looked at me. We had just ordered. And he goes, we've got to go home. No, we're not going home. And he goes, okay. And we sat there a little bit longer and we had some drink. And he looked at me again and he said, hey, we've got to go. Me being me, I said, no, you promised me to shop. Don't take something you've given. We're shopping because he hates shopping. And then next minute, the authority that came upon him, he stood up and he said, get up, we're going now. So I wasn't going to argue with that voice. We hopped up, we walked back to our hotel and we got into our hotel room and we heard this massive noise. Dan went into overdrive and thought someone was trying to bash in our door and then we just sort of went, oh, it's just a Balinese letting off firecrackers or someone falling off the roof or something silly. And I got a call at 5 a.m. in the morning. It was my mother. I caught a nectar. I called me at 5 o'clock in the morning. She was in a panic. And she said, Are you, you're fine. You're okay. And I said, what's going on? She goes, there was a bomb. And we turned on the TV. And we saw sights that you will never see. Because Balinese don't, don't erase anything. They just they show what, what they're seeing. So we went for a walk. And our restaurant where we were eating, the roof had caved in and we could see our seats and we would have been killed. We got home and it happened, so we hadn't eaten yet. And I said to Daniel, like, what on earth happened? He said, God told me to take you home and you disagreed twice. God said and stood behind you and said, get your wife home now. And what came to me when Karina said, you know, God has authority no matter what. I was shopping no matter what. But God had authority that I was going to be alive the next day. You know, the enemy tried to kill me, destroy me and Dan and take everything away from us. You know, the fear that we had of being in groups, the fear of certain people, the way they look, the fear of... If you had a backpack on in here, it would make me nervous because there could be a bomb in there. He tried to destroy my whole life. But just this morning, he said, I have authority no matter whether you're praying for it or whether, you know, you've told your mother there's going to be a bomb. I have the last say. Maddie. Matthew. Uh, hello everyone, um, Ben just asked me to share what um, happened or what I felt during worship and I think it just really solidifies um, everything he preached on and what the, the worship was. Um, if you all just think how you felt at that moment, I'll just, just share. 
Okay, um, just there's a few different pictures going on, so it's really hard to find the right words. So, Lord, help me just share like the revelation you want to impart. I just pray that you speak into each person's heart and mind, Lord, and bring forth um, what you want to do. I saw someone come to the edge of a cliff and then just by faith start stepping and it was like they were on a crystal bridge and path and they just had to have their eyes on Jesus on the throne and they could just walk higher and higher and you weren't just on on the earth it was there were wonders to the left and, and the right but while you could look at them briefly you just had to keep focusing on Jesus and just kept drawing you higher and higher I saw people just running i wasn't aware of the environment but they were just running 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 and they just froze and they just their skins peeled off and they just flew it was like the spiritual being just took flight um someone else just it's like they were sitting in a cage and just something broke and just out of their being they came out went through the bars and they could look down look down on the prison that was wasn't just physical it was supernatural and i could see the the strings getting pulled, the the plans from the enemy, and they could just speak against that and, you know, bring justice and and break that and they could become free. And then through that, I just saw, like, just just lights going down to the globe and becoming brighter and just water coming from the ground. I just felt like God say, like, people have been digging, they've been digging, and I'm just, the wells are now opened and... near that there was just a new room and he's like just there were new scrolls but they're old and dusty but the dust was blown off and it's like it's for now like you've just been so faithful you just dug down and, and we're now entrusted with just new documents and things and, and just treasure was like just and just jesus is is the ladder you know jacob's ladder and you go up and down you could see and you go up and when you got to that throne, you were given that new scroll and you could come back down. People went to different government buildings. They went to different parts of the world, their jobs and everything. And just through that, I just felt like God said, this is happening now. It's established. This is what I am now doing. So by faith, you know, we have to get on board with that. Just It just hit me like that revelation of worship. Just we are transformed through worship. We were given that new mind and overcome and, so just to honour the worship team today and just the good work that as a community, like those who are faithful and stepping in, and I think we've just grown so much because of the the gifts we have in our, in our worship team over the, the months and, and years. So just, ah, oh, Jesus, we just come to you now, Lord, and we just again just gaze upon you and we acknowledge you as our savior you've brought us into that relationship with you you just draw us in lord into that realm of light and you just give us new hope you break off everything father i just pray what people felt during worship they might have thought it was a distraction lord they might have been thinking about work or a holiday or something lord but you are opening up new scrolls for us You are opening up new chapters, Lord, and you're speaking to everyone individually just as they know, Lord. And I just pray that the words you speak, that they just become alive, that they take root and just go deeper and deeper, Lord. But now, 
the plants will grow, the fruit will come. Just breathe on that, Lord. You're establishing something in this house, and we just thank you, Lord. We honor the leaders, Lord. We honor each person in this house and the gifts you've brought together, Lord, that now to go out wherever they are, Lord, with those new scrolls, with those new weapons, Lord, and that new revelation that they can now legislate and bring forth what you want to bring, Lord. You are advancing your kingdom and you've chosen us and you've blessed us to carry out your will, Lord. So we just pray for a fresh alignment in the mighty name of Jesus and his blood. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Maddie. Shares is fantastic.